Hello, strong, feisty women. Some of you may recognize my voice. I'm Celine Yeager, host of the Hip Play Not Pause podcast. Throughout my career as a professional health and fitness writer and now a podcaster, I hear countless questions from women who are trying to understand how their ever-changing hormones impact their sports performance. So we decided to serve up some answers in a brand new series called Hormonal that we will be releasing on the Feisty Women's Performance Podcast feed. Throughout this four-part series, reproductive endocrinologist Dr. Carla DiGirolamo and I will be tackling topics like periods, the pill, pregnancy, and conditions like PCOS, all from the perspective of sports performance. If you aren't already, follow the Feisty Women's Performance Podcast and stay tuned for our first episode releasing on April 15th. Also, have questions you want answered? Send us a voice note at speakpipe.com slash hormonal and we'll get it answered on the show. You are listening to the Girls Gone Gravel podcast, a podcast for women who are chasing epic and everyday adventures on their bikes. We are a production of Live Feisty Media and hosted by Christy Moan and Katherine Taylor. We're just like looking at each other because I'm going to see if Christy will start the podcast and she won't. I'm sorry, Minnie. I'm I'm like, that's, that's old. That's so 2020. I know, but I thought I'd bring it back. We do a little retro, a little retro, (laughs) a little throwback to 2020, the COVID year. Have you noticed how much the fanny packs are back? Oh yeah. I've been wearing a fanny pack for like three years now. Well, I have two. I, I yeah. got like a Lululemon one years ago. Um, but like, they're like, that's all I carry since our Colorado gravel, Montana gravel extravaganza. Mm-hmm. And I, um, the other day I was out like shopping in town and I had my fanny pack on and I was like, maybe I'm a little too back with the fanny pack. <laughs> <laughs> Cause it's so easy to just like, leave it on all day. <clears throat> anyway, it is. You just keep wearing it. Keep wearing it. I kind of love the fanny pack. Uh, what have you been up to this week? You've had a busy couple of weeks. Yeah. I mean, just getting back from our Girls Gone Gravel summer trip. Yeah. And, uh, rolled right back into everything, you know, so. Yeah. yeah. <clears throat> you have a gravel camp coming up. Mm-hmm. Women's gravel camp is going to be the 23rd through the 26th. Um, you can still sign up until Friday. So, um, so yeah, uh, looking forward to it. We've got with that, we're going to be going up and doing an event called bleeding Kansas. Um, so excited about that. Um, I'm just looking forward to getting a group of rad women together and riding bikes for the weekend. It'll be fun. I mean, how can that go bad? Like, I know, you know, even if it's rainy, it can't go bad. We'll do other stuff. Like we'll do rad stuff. It's going to be so fun. So Looking yeah. forward to that. And then that follow that's followed immediately by the rad, which I'm signing up for the purgatory challenge. So I'm going to do the 90 on Saturday and run the half marathon trail marathon on Sunday. So if anybody wants to join me. Nice. Um, if I'm be, in shape, that would sound fun, but I'm so not in shape. Well, I'm not going to be out there like crushing. I'm just going to go have fun. And I just want to be outside. Yeah. You know, I just want to go be out and, and check. I haven't checked out the run course yet. So, um, 
I'm doing yeah. that. And then, then we go to big sugar and then, then That's after the that, it's, uh, spirit world. And then after that is Thanksgiving. And then after that is Christmas. And then <laughs> <laughs> the year's really over. Um, yeah. okay. I do. So I have, uh, three friends from Atlanta that are going to camp. Yes. Now. So our friend Libby that we were <clears throat> all in Montana with, yeah. and then Karen, who was at SPT and then another friend Saskia, who you're going to love. Good. We, I accidentally put you on a text stream about this event in Georgia. Yes, you did. <laughs> and we were talking about the elevation <laughs> in North Georgia. And you're like, never look at elevation profiles. And we all immediately were like, yeah, Kansas. Yeah, and I'm like, I never, I never look at elevation profiles. Like even like, I, I just would find them intimidating. And that's why I don't yeah, do it. I mean, I'll just like, say I've gotten myself in over my head a few times. <laughs> I guess like, I figure that I, I guess I figure that you can't get over your head because you can just get off your bike and walk. So you know, I mean, like to me, I'm like, I'm like yeah. going you to can. See- you just need to like be prepared. Like if you're like, this is 50 miles and you don't look at the elevation chart, but then you're like, this 50 miles is gonna take eight hours because of the elevation game. Mm-hmm. And you don't you're in over your head because like me, you're really bad at preparing your food and water. <laughs> um, so anyway, it was just funny. It's part, it's on this thing called the um, tour of North Georgia route, which I keep trying to get Celine to come down and do it. And she's like, no, but like hardly any women have ever finished that tour of North Georgia route. It's not the whole route. That's 350 miles. Ted King's talking about doing that craziness next year. But um but I think like I was actually talking to Scotty Lechuga this week and I was like, oh, she's the one who'll go do tour of North Georgia and talk her into him cool. or trans North Georgia. It's something. Lael Wilcox did it and she dropped out. I had a friend that, that did it and yeah, he dropped out too. So yeah. But, yeah. So that's what I mean by I'm like, just go ride your, like what, what happens? Figure it out. Don't let that stop you from doing something. But that's, yeah, maybe it is a Kansas attitude, but it's also probably my, like, you're not talking about going and riding, like, you, you know, some big, incredibly remote multi-day stage race. That's different. Like, I'm, it's a one-day event where it's supported and people are out there and like, yeah, except for they're like, we don't really have any support, just have to get to the gas stations. Yeah. Well, Okay. <laughs> I approach it differently, but anyway, yeah. I'm not very eight ish when it comes to that. Let's, let's say that <laughs> on another funny note, Celine did text me over the weekend. You and I both on a, she's like three. And I was like, what, what is this? Like, why did she just send what we mentioned her Enneagram on one of the podcasts. And so yeah. she took the test. You thought she was an eight. I thought she was a three. She was a three. Yeah. So but I also understood when she te- texted, it was a three, that she was a three, that she, three, I knew what she was talking about. <laughs> um, speaking of Celine, we get to hang out with Celine. So this will come out Tuesday. It'll be on Thursday. Yeah. I'm excited. And, and Casey Armstrong. Yeah. That'll be a fun, that'll be a fun evening. Looking yeah, forward so to we're it. doing a thing called women, whiskey and wheels, and it's yeah. ask me anything. So it's any questions that people have about gravel, about anything related to gravel. Um, you can come on, it's going to be live on our Facebook and YouTube channel. And then you can of course watch it later. Um, I think that I'll have a whiskey drink. What's your, do you like whiskey drinks? Oh yeah. I'll have a whiskey drink. Yeah. 
So yeah. we'll have whiskey drinks. You can bring your own whiskey. Um, or not. And then we're, or, not. Yeah. or you can bring your own sparkling water. Um, and then um, we're also going to talk about something fun that's coming from Girls Gone Gravel. Uh, so so cool. come on over and join us on the, the Facebook or um, Instagram page. Um, but we also have a fun interview today that I ended up doing solo. Yeah, I'm, and I'm really... God, it's just eating me. I knew, I knew that was going to be a hard one for me to make. It got rescheduled and then I couldn't make it. And uh, I probably could have hopped on halfway through. Yeah, but it's okay. So. It's okay. We have Mari Holden, who we met at the last best ride up in Montana. Yep. Got to ride with her a little bit. She's phenomenal. Um, yeah, I can't, I can't wait to listen. So there you go. Yeah. The cool thing about Mari is she won an Olympic silver medal in cycling and like and at the Sydney games. So like in 2000. Mm -hmm. And so what she's seen in women's cycling over the years, and then even just like her getting into gravel, I think that was one of her first gravel events was the last best ride. We talked about it. I don't, I mean, I it wasn't I think the first, but it was like, a. yeah, one of, I think I mean, she, she, says, doing a ton of them, so. she says in the interview, this is the first event that she ever signed up for and paid for herself. Cause she's always like, you know, had a team or a sponsor do it for. Yeah. That's awesome. So, so th- imagine cycling, you know, for over 20 years. And this is the first event you've ever signed up and paid for. So that's how excited she is about gravel. So, yeah. So you'll have to listen to it and tell me what you think of Mari. She's fantastic. Cool. To live your healthiest life possible. You need to understand what's going on inside. Inside Tracker takes a personalized approach to health and longevity from the most trusted and relevant source, your body. Inside Tracker was created by experts in aging, genetics, and biometric data from Harvard, Tufts, and MIT. It provides personalized health analysis and clear recommendations, plus an action plan on how to live a longer, healthier life. Inside Tracker can also calculate your biological age, which is the rate you're aging compared to your chronological age, as well as ways to lower your biological age. The thing we love most about Inside Tracker is that they give you recommendations on things you can control to optimize your health, like food, supplements, workouts, and other lifestyle choices. And did you know that you can use your HSA, HRA, and FSA to buy any Inside Tracker plan? Which means you can purchase Inside Tracker using your tax free dollars. Oh, and it gets better. For a limited time, you get 20% off the entire Inside Tracker store when you sign up. So if you're ready to get a crystal clear picture of what's going on inside your body, along with the science-backed recommendations to optimize what's not working, visit insidetracker.com slash feisty. That's insidetracker.com slash feisty. I am here with Mari Holden. Hey, Mari. Hey, how are you? I'm good. We're really bummed. We don't have Christy with us today. So um, she had some family stuff going on, but I'm excited to talk to you. Well, I'm psyched to talk to you too. <laughs> We've already been talking for like 20 minutes about really good stuff. I was like, I got to hit record. <laughs> no, it's been um, fun. Yeah. So we met at the last best ride and we tried to do a little audio file and something happened to it in transit. It didn't make it. Um, but I'm so excited to chat because you have a fantastic story. You've been in the sport for quite a long time with some big accolades. So why don't you tell us a little bit about your cycling story to get started? Oh my goodness. (laughs) 
Um, don't start when well, I was two. <laughs> basically, we could go way back to the baby <laughs> and stuff. But um, basically, like my cycling, I guess when I first got a real race bike, road bike was when I was about 12 years old and we had a cycling club at our school and I just thought it looked super cool. So I borrowed uh, a girlfriend's bike and her shoes and helmet and everything and just went on my first ride. And, and from that first ride, I just fell in love with, with cycling. I mean, just the freedom of it all. And um, just, yeah, I, I think that probably when I look back on it, it, it was that feeling of freedom and joy of riding and seeing what you could do and feeling your heart pump and breathing hard. It was just, it was like the best mix of everything for me. And so I was addicted ever since. <laughs> <laughs> and then uh, that took you to some big places in cycling like say the olympics <laughs> <laughs> well i actually i was not a super like i don't know as competitive yes but i was never i didn't really identify with bike racing when i started because i was super young and triathlons were really big in southern california where i grew up so i and i had swam and ran as as a kid and so my natural kind of way to get into bike racing was through triathlon and so i started there and i was junior triathlete of the year uh one of the years and then i um so i got to do a lot of racing with triathlons first and then i started to realize that i was more talented on the bike than in the running and swimming and but i was focusing all my time on my weaknesses instead of focusing on what i was good at and so then that kind of uh pushed me into cycling. And I, uh, once I started bike racing, I just never looked back. Yeah. We've heard that story a lot from <laughs> the podcast of there with triathlon. They were like, why am I doing these other things? The bike's way more fun. <laughs> well, and as a young woman, like it definitely like had this appeal of, uh, going to Europe. Like I, I had friends who were on the national team going to Europe and racing. And I was just like, I want that. I want to go have these adventures and do amazing things and see new places and like learn new things. And I think that was almost as big a part of it as the competition part. When I first started was this like dream to go out there and see those roads and, you know, race with the best. So, and I mean, you were asking about my career, but I, I, I never looked at it as, Oh, I, I want to, well, I did want to go to the Olympics, but I always focused on the smaller goals around me and like, you know, achieving them in little steps. And then by the time I got to the Olympics, you know, I mean, that was definitely my goal, but it wasn't like that was what I wanted right when I started or thought that I could accomplish. It was just your goals kept getting, my goals kept getting bigger and bigger. And then um, in 2000, when I got the medal in the Olympics and the won, won the world championships, that was like definitely the best year for me. <laughs> yeah. So you did win a medal. Is it, was it in Sydney? It was Sydney. Yeah. At the Olympics. It was a good Olympics. Yeah. <laughs> that was, was Sydney 2000. Sydney was 2000. I can't even believe it was 21 years ago. I mean, I sit there and I'm just shocked sometimes that time could fly so quickly, you know? Yeah. That's, it, I thought something <laughs> about how old kids that were born in 2000 are now. And I was like, oh my gosh. <laughs> I know when I was working with juniors, I was like, oh my gosh, really? <laughs> Um, so young. Yeah. <laughs> and you ended up winning a silver medal, correct? And is it, was it in road? No. Yeah. I mean, road time trial. So road time, road trial. time trial. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Silver mm -hmm. medal. It was 
pretty incredible experience. <laughs> yeah. That time trial stuff terrifies me because you're going so fast in that position, that time trial proposition. There's just. Yeah. And, you know, the course in Sydney was a pretty technical course and with rollers in it. So, I mean, even within time trialing, they're different. I mean, you, you could some people could be really good at you know, flatter things and not as technical. Um, but Sydney was a technical, a technical course, which I really like, cause you're always thinking like, what's next, what, you know, what's coming up, how am I going to take these lines and stuff like that, which is really interesting to me. But then when I won my world championship after that, it was nice because it was, uh, a totally different course that was more, uh, not as technical. And so it was nice to be able to prove that I was strong, not just because it was a technical course, but because I was fit. Yeah. <laughs> did, did you go the pro team route or did you, were you doing this more within the USA cycling? Well, so in the nineties, it's funny, right when I started bike racing was when, um, the, the international level racing at big events started to change from national teams to trade teams. So in the beginning I was with the U S team, but then in 96, then I, I went over to Europe and joined trade teams. And so then I was racing in Europe on pro teams over there. And that kind of set the stage for me making the 2000, you know, team was that the level of racing was so high there and being on um, the European teams was an amazing experience for me because when you're racing on a national team only in Europe, you get pretty nationalist I don't know like nationalist you start thinking that oh there's something special about these other women you know like these Russian women are tougher than us or I mean you just start building these ideas of of, yeah. of these people but when I went over to go live live there and then they were all of a sudden my housemates and you know teammates all of a sudden you realize that the world's a lot smaller than how you had imagined and you understand that your competitors are just people too. And when you're working on a team together, it's a pretty, it's a pretty cool thing. And I'd say that beyond like my experiences of uh, athletic successes that I had, the um, relationships and the understanding of people and how the world works, like that would be the next biggest thing I got out of racing in Europe for so many years was, you know, just that understanding of we're all people and mm -hmm. we have our backgrounds, but, you know, we all want the same things at the core, you know? Yeah. That's a, that's a really important thing to keep in mind these days. Yeah. Well, for sure. <laughs> <laughs> uh, uh, I, we were having this conversation a little bit before uh, we hit record, but just talking about kind of the women's equity in the sport, equality in the sport, and just kind of that, that challenge. And you were kind of like, we've talked to people like Allison Tetrick and Lauren DeCrescenzo and um, just like some of the people that were racing more kind of in that mid early mid to two, uh, 2012, 2015. So you were yeah. way before them. Like, tell us a little bit about what it was like then as racing as a woman. Well, I mean, I think that I one of the interesting things is I think with social media now people have more of a platform to tell their story. And there's also um, more media attention to the women's racing, which I know we keep pushing for more and we need more attention to the women's racing in order to get more sponsorships and show how exciting women's racing is. But back when I was racing, we didn't, 
I mean, if you were in the States, you didn't even know what we were doing in Europe. Like, I mean, it might as well not have even happened because it was just, there was no information about the races. You know, we didn't, we couldn't communicate really. I mean, when you have to walk to a payphone and like use a calling card to let anyone know that you're alive still, it's just a, it's just a different thing. And so while the racing was really hard um, and I don't think that people understood what was going on as much. And that's why to me, the Olympics were so important was because it was the one time that your family or people, you know, people back in your own country could see, you know, what you were doing on like a world stage and and put some context to it because, you know, for all they knew you were just over in Europe riding your bike around and it wasn't quite touring. I'm just taking a year out. No, I mean, it was just, you know, it's different. So, I mean, when you think about it, as I was racing in the nineties into the mid early two thousands, it's things have changed a lot and there is progress being made and it's slow. I wish it were faster, but it's definitely, I think the fact that they can stream the, you know, the racing now and stuff is, is a huge, like benefit to women's racing because women's racing is exciting and women can do amazing things and we just need a platform to show it you know and have some role models out there and stuff I mean because it's exciting yeah it definitely is I feel like the women's races have had more buzz at the last few big events that I've been to than the men's for sure and I mean you were just at last best ride Sarah Sturm yeah Yeah. coming in on and ninth overall it was awesome yeah it's really cool and I mean women can do amazing things given the opportunities. And I, you know, one of the things I look at how big our country is and that's, and I just, the more kids we get on bikes and the more women we can get interested in our sport, we can, we can succeed even more on a higher level. I mean, we have some amazing juniors coming up right now. And obviously like the younger, the younger women who are in the Olympics right now, the Chloe Digers and Jen Valentes, I mean, you know, they all came up through the system, but there are more talented athletes out there if we could get them on bikes and thinking that it's exciting and cool. And so I think that the media attention and is going to be super helpful for us moving forward to get more people into it. Yeah. And I think probably the pandemic here has helped too, right? With like so many more people on bikes in general, if you're riding with your family, you're more likely to be like, oh yeah, this is fun. Yeah. And I mean, you just never know. And I mean, someone could come in through gravel thinking that it's fun and then they, you know, they get these amazing skills by, you know, learning how to ride on that kind of terrain. And then, you know, maybe they try a road race and find out that they like road racing and they go to Europe. And I mean, it's just like, you don't know where things can, can go. And with women, you can start a little later than with men. I think men do have to start younger, you know, now the guys are all in their early twenties. It seems like doing well, but with women, you can start when you're 20 and still have a successful career, you know, or even older, but you know, we have more longevity, I think in that way. Yeah, for sure. Well, Mm -hmm. you're doing a lot to help get kids on bike. What are some of the things bike bikes, (laughs) one bike, they all share it. (laughs) <laughs> what, well, what are some of the things you've been doing and how, how did you get into that? Well, you know, I was directing, um, 2020, 20, or then it went to 2024, but I was working for yeah, a, a, a trade team. Yeah. And, and that was such an amazing experience because 
I knew that I wanted to get back involved in the sport, but wasn't exactly sure. But Nicola took a chance hiring me as a director and letting me direct the team for five years. And it was a great experience. But I think then the opportunity came up to work for USA Cycling. And now I'm running the a community director, which I think in my heart is really where, where I'm at right now is wanting to get more people on bikes and diversify our sport and just create more opportunities for kids. Because I mean, my goal is like creating lifelong cyclists or being a part of helping get lifelong cyclists. And because it's brought so much to my life and seeing a kid get on a bike and be happy and safe is a, is a, is a really heartwarming kind of thing. And so so with USA Cycling, I've been running a program called Let's Ride, and we've been partnering with events and different community groups, and also with groups who are refurbishing bikes, and we've been giving away bikes to kids, so free bikes for kids. Um, we worked with uh, Working Bikes in Chicago and um, Wish for Wheels, and trying to give away bikes to kids in underserved communities, and then partnering them up with the local community groups who are already on the ground doing good work and just trying to have USA Cycling bring everyone together. Or that's my vision is we all want to accomplish the same goal of, you know, having more cyclists and kids. And so um, my goal is to have all our groups working together to, to make it happen. Yeah. I love that. And like looking at who's already doing the work in the community and how you can just partner. Yeah. And being able to help promote, what they're doing, you know, give them a bigger platform too. So I feel like as USA Cycling, if we can help make those connections happen and, and bring it together, then that's an awesome thing. And we can, we're giving kids free memberships, licenses so that they can, you know, be kind of tuned into what else might be happening in their area or other opportunities, you know, if they want to try BMX or, you know, mountain biking or whatever, or, or hooking them up with NICA. I mean, I just think that, you know, our goal is to introduce ourselves to the kids and then work with the community and then give them their free licenses. So it's a pretty good feeling thing to be able to do. <laughs> yeah. Listening and you have a kids program. Reach out to Mari. Reach out to me. Yeah, but some free licenses. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> and yeah, probably lots more recently. Any kids who are, you know, under 18, so a junior can get a free license with USA Cycling and, and they should, they should just go online and get their free license and then they can find out information about what's going on and, you know, maybe where we have Let's Ride camps or if they want to get involved in racing ways to do it. We have all of that. Yeah, that's awesome. Thanks. <laughs> okay, well, let's talk about gravel. <laughs> Okay. Yes, this girl's gravel. gravel. Yes, gravel. <laughs> uh, how did you get into gravel then? Time trialing and gravel—they don't mix. Well, well you know, some people say they do. There's the whole arrow bars and gravel debate. <laughs> well, you know, I mean, time trialing is a very small part of of what we do, like road racing. So, I mean, I was on the road a lot and riding a lot of really bad roads on a road bike. So, I. I've always enjoyed riding dirt roads on my road bike. And so now with bigger tires and the correct equipment, it's even more fun that I, um, but I think like what really makes me happy about the gravel is that it, to me, it feels like safe and I can just kind of zone out a little bit more and just enjoy the scenery and being in nature. And it's just, I feel like it's got a really nice vibe to, to it. And I, I enjoy that. Um, 
plus there's so much to learn. I mean, I never knew there was so much about tire selection and like all the great debate. <laughs> so, I mean, I feel like a beginner learning a lot, but, but it's really fun. Um, and exploring new places. And I think that's why the gravel events are so awesome. Like, last best ride, I would have never seen anything like that on my own, you know, but to be able to go out and have an event that like takes you to some amazing, beautiful spots and getting to experience something that I wouldn't be able to experience by myself unless I really had to do a huge amount of research to do it is, is an incredible opportunity. And, you know, obviously there are the people who are racing hard, but then there's everyone else who's challenging themselves and, and still feeling good about the effort. And, and I really like that. Yeah. Yeah. Something for everyone, I guess, is what I'm, I mean, it's like, have at it if you want to like go, you know, as hard as you can, but at the same time, like even just doing it is a accomplishment and something to feel good about. Yeah. There's so many, I think a lot of people get intimidated by events because I think it's just about the racing, but it's like how Laura and Ted King say, you know, they have the whole mullet protocol, which is really every event, you know, it's the <laughs> business at the front and party at the back. Yeah. <laughs> and I was definitely partying in the back at Steamboat. <laughs> Bourbon shops? Yes. <laughs> I'll do those at the top of the hill. They had a hill where you went up at the top of it, you could get bacon, shammy butter, oh. and more bourbon. <laughs> uh, I didn't know that. <laughs> Are you going to sign up next year now? <laughs> that event? Apparently, I need to. <laughs> It's, I mean, it's so cool. Yeah. So there's a lot of like, you know, and it was just really fun, like riding with people and having conversations and talking to them. And yeah, I did I not get to ride it last best ride. It was, it's a long story, but, um, but I am definitely like going back to do that event next year yeah. just because everybody that's finished was like, that's the most beautiful course I've ever been on. It was stunning. I mean, you know, the views were amazing and I mean, it had such a nice feeling to it because Jess put so much of her heart into it, I feel like. And it's funny because Jess was on the team I was directing. She was on 2020 when I was there. And, um, you know, so I've always had this like thing for Jess, like, you know, and when she, when I knew they were doing this race, I signed up like the first day. And at first, like I got on the site and I'm like, Jess, I can't like, I'm not sure that it went through, you know? And, uh, and then she's like, no, it did. And I was like, honestly, it was the first time I'd ever signed up for a race, like on my own, like, cause I'd always, I mean, when I retired, I was still on a pro team. So I never did the signups for myself. I mean, I signed people up when I was directing 2020 and like making all their plans and stuff like that. But for myself, I had never entered something like on my own. <laughs> and so that's a milestone for me with Jess's event. That was, you know, but I really wanted to do it. And I, when I signed up, I really needed something to like inspire me for the year because I needed something to look forward through during the whole COVID and, you know, everything that was going on. And it was the perfect thing to like think about and look forward to. And then of course it was a beautiful course, just like I had imagined. And it was great. Yeah. I I'm curious because on Saturday we did a women's ride and French, you led the women's ride. Mm-hmm. And it was not good weather. It was raining. It was like nasty weather. Were you yeah. shocked how many women were in that parking lot? I was shocked <laughs> because, you know, I thought to myself when it was cold and raining, I thought, oh God, maybe, you know, a few people will show up. But I think that's a testament to like the, the gravel scene and like the camaraderie that's going on. And especially among the women, just wanting to 
be a part of it. And I think that the, um, the breakfast, the brunch afterwards was more of that, you know, where people were explaining why they wanted to be there. It's something I've never seen. Like, and when I was racing, like if there had been a rainy thing going on the day before I was racing, I would have never gone out in the rain. There's no way, but it's just a different like attitude. And it's more about the community. I feel like than it is about an individual. And maybe, of course, there are, are always going to be some who are like really wanting to race. And, and that's fine. Everyone has their goals of why they want to be doing something. But the majority, I felt like, was there to feel connection and to enjoy the event, which I think is really special. And having been involved in racing for so many years, it's something that I just, it was never a part of my experience. <laughs> like, until now. <laughs> and I like it. It's really cool. Yeah. Well, and Pinarella is taking a pretty active role in getting out and kind of trying to lead and create community things with, you know, out yeah. there. I've been impressed with them as a brand. Well, Kim has really done some amazing things. I think she is, uh, I've been really impressed with how her mind works and the way she is trying to craft this community. I, and it's, you know, at first I was like, I didn't really understand at first, but then as she's brought all these pieces together, it just is really, it's really inspiring and it feels good to be a part of it. So I'm thankful that, you know, that I'm involved for sure. And that they're supporting my efforts, you know, trying to get kids on bikes and then, you know, getting involved in gravel and leading some rides and stuff like that. And it's just very, it's special. Yeah. Well, and they're also, uh, so by the time this comes out, your film, I saw the trailer for your, uh, <laughs> oh, I can never say it. Scuderia. Scuderia film. Yeah. <laughs> and um, yeah. So, and one of the things in the trailer that I saw is, is you, you come out right out there and talk about like uh, aging and cycling and kind of leading yeah. that and showing people like, Hey, you can be in the sport a long time. Yeah. I think that one of the things I feel blessed about is that, you know, I've managed to be able to stay in the sport for so long. And I'm, I feel like, um, cycling is a way to, to keep ourselves young and healthy, even though our age may say a different number, it, you know, by being curious and trying new things and, you know, even within one sport. So I was so focused on road, but now I'm trying all these new things that, are really expanding my horizons again. And it's good to be a beginner, I feel like, and, and have to learn from other people and challenge yourself in different ways. And, and so, yeah, I'm not afraid to, to talk about my age because I feel like we're definitely were meaning like the women who are aging up. <laughs> are, Sarah, you're only like five years, four years older than me. So. <laughs> well, it's just like, I feel like this year hitting 50 was like a kind of an eye opener. And, and I thought about like, what did I used to think 50 would be like, and where am I now? And, and how does it feel? And it's much different than how I would have imagined. And I feel so healthy and just excited about the future, which are things that I wouldn't have imagined probably 15, 20 years ago, you know, when I was imagining what, what a 50 year old woman would be like. And the fact that most of my friends who are my age too are also very healthy and um, changing the image of like, what does it mean to be 50? Like, I feel like it's, we're, we're pushing it out and, and trying to figure out how to be 
healthy and taking care of ourselves and being open to talking about some of the things that, you know, happen with your body as you're aging is helpful because I feel like we're all going through similar things and we can help each other by sharing information and, um, you know, getting through it together, but understanding that we don't have to accept what people might think 50 is. And I feel like talking and saying it, like saying I'm 50 (laughs) is, you know, it kind of takes the stigma away from it a little bit, you know? So, and it's funny, I've had friends reach out on Facebook who are 60, who doing 60, well, one woman 65 doing triathlons and she looks fabulous. And I was like, yes, (laughs) we are doing it. You know, this is amazing. So yeah, I know we were trying to get you hooked up with Celine for another podcast that Feisty does, the hip play not pause. And um it's which is a community of women that are 40s, 50s and plus. But um, mm-hmm. but yeah, we have so many active women in that community that are like, I'm I'm tired of the stigma on aging. Like it's time for us to change it. Yeah, and and I think that like voicing it and saying, Yeah, I'm 50, I'm not. I'm not worried about it or, you know, I don't feel bad about being this age. In fact, like I'm embracing it because it's like, yeah, I'm 50. I have been through a lot (laughs) and I, you know, now I'm enjoying my life and I feel young and healthy. And as long as I'm taking care of myself and pushing my boundaries, you know, these are the things that keep us young. And there are people 20 years younger than us who aren't open to these kinds of things or, or treating their bodies well, and they're not doing as well as we are. So I, you know, I, we're rewriting it. <laughs> yeah. I love that. I was actually writing with a woman at a, an event, like in March, the, one of the first mm-hmm. events of the season. And she was, um, she's probably in her sixties. Mm-hmm. She's writing about like, she was so strong. <laughs> and she's <laughs> all these crazy stories. Like, one year she and her husband like quit their jobs and rode a tandem around the world. Oh my and God. I, it's like it's all these yeah. fascinating stories. And like she had just retired as a professor at the university of Tennessee and her husband, I can't remember what he, but you know, they've just had this amazing life. Yeah. And she was like, I just like, when I go to events now, I never see anybody like me. And I'm like, well, it's changing, but you're kind of like yeah. the trailblazer here. Yeah. It's like, it's hard to show up and be the only one sometimes though. I feel like, am I supposed to be here? <laughs> no, I, so well, I think we're going to hopefully be working on changing that, but yeah, yeah we're t- we got to change that, that image yeah. of like who, and like you said, like you can get better and better at cycling as you get older. Well, and there are different things to learn too. You know, I mean, there's road cycling, but like learning how to gravel ride and all the things that go with it. I mean, they're just things that keep your mind working and you, you keeping working on your body and being healthy. I mean, it, and then your friends are healthy. That's the other thing is like when you're committed to a sport or to your health, you end up hanging around other people who are doing similar things. So it starts to normalize, you know? Yeah, absolutely. (laughs) Do you have other gravel events on the calendar for this fall? I'm doing this mob event in uh, Ojai or Ventura or something. It's like, it's small, but it's in my, my dad said, will you come out and ride? I said, of course. So it's, I'm doing that. And um, what else? I, I'm leading a ride at Sea Otter. Um, I'm hoping that that's still going to be on the calendar. Um, Twitter has had some things to say about Sea Otter lately. Whether or not it's going to (laughs) happen. I know I'm, Twitter who nobody don't get your I, name. 
but it's still a little bit worrisome. Um, and so I don't know what else I'm going to be doing. I think Kim had a couple of things in mind, but I've been, I haven't really planned it out yet, but why is there something I should go do? Yeah. I'm just, I'm, are, are there any bucket list items that you're, you're looking at now that you're getting into it? Now that I'm a gravel person. Well, I'm bummed that I'm a steamboat gravel. I couldn't do it. So next year that's going to be on my list for sure. Having it be so close. Um, I'd like to try some of the BWR stuff. I think that would be fun too. Um, but yeah, we'll see. Yeah. Well, the How rat about- is not far from you. I don't think the one at the end of September in Trinidad, the rad lifetime's newest event the spots it's down in Trinidad. Maybe I'll have to look that up. I, I will check it out. Yeah. It looks, it looks pretty rad. That's not far from me. Yeah. So just pop on down to Trinidad, Colorado. <laughs> I'm going to check it out now when we get off of here. <laughs> happy. Cause she's like, what are you going to another? I'm like, I don't know. <laughs> but but I, unfortunately, like, Um, one of the events that I had to go to in Gila, the tour of the Gila, I was going to do a let's ride camp down there and, um, that got canceled. So now my last weekend of September is open. (laughs) So, well, there you go. If Christy were here, she'd like, have you signed up for sure. (laughs) I'm going to do her job for her. (laughs) All right. Well, maybe I'll do that. That sounds like fun actually. And it isn't that far. So yeah, I was actually supposed to be in Boulder the weekend before. And I was like, maybe I'll go down, but now that Boulder trip it's not uh, working out. Thanks, COVID. Uh, um, but uh, yeah. yeah, yeah. Hmm. Well, um, and then if people want to follow you or follow your work, where where could they find you? They can find me on Instagram at Ms. Mari Holden, M-S-M-A-R-I-H-O-L-D-E-N. Um, and, uh, you know, at USA Cycling has all the information on Let's Ride, all my, all my stuff with the kids. So you could just Google Let's Ride USA Cycling and they would get to any information about stuff that I'm doing. So <laughs> um, I'm not the huge social media like Queen or I'm on Strava too. And I'm also, I guess Strava is my big social media. That's what I love. <laughs> Hi, <laughs> Mari on Strava. See if, yeah. she, see if you I am on Swift too. So I lead a, a group ride every Monday morning at 6 30 a.m. Pacific called the Canyon Ranch Wellness Ride. And we have a different topic every week about surrounding health and you know health and wellness. So um every week we have a different topic. And that's pretty fun too. And it's not, I mean, it's definitely a recovery ride for most people. The Watts are 1.6 to two, two Watts per kilo. So it's a, it's an easy paced ride. And is that open for anybody together? It's open to anybody. Yeah. So you would just go to the companion app and choose the Canyon ranch ride 6 30 AM Pacific. Awesome. All right. Well, yeah. I'm ride with Mari Come or maybe you'll see her at the rad. <laughs> you might, you just might. Cause that sounds like a lot of fun. <laughs> With a name like Rad, how could you not want to do it? <laughs> I know. Well, thank but, you so much for joining us today. I really appreciate your time. And um, I'm sure Christy sent her wishes. Well, tell her hi, and thank you so much. This was awesome. Great talking to you. You have been listening to the Girls Gone Gravel podcast. This podcast is edited and produced by the team at Live Feisty Media. If you've enjoyed the show, please leave us a rating. It really helps other women find the podcast. And be sure to follow us at Girls Gone Gravel on Instagram or Facebook.